you have a Bible and you'd like to turn with me, I'm going to be reading several verses. So, dear computer person, since I can't see who it is, uh, please be ready to stay with me. I'm going to begin to read with John chapter 4, verse 5. You're welcome to stand uh, in honor of the reading of the Word of God. John chapter 4 beginning with verse 5 there cometh then cometh he to a city of Samaria which was called Sychar near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph now Jacob's well was there Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey that amazing his the deity, the creator of the universe lived in that body, was manifested in that body. And yet the body was tired from the journey. God doesn't get tired. So the fact the body was tired proves that the body was man, not God. God dwelled in the body. The body was not God. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well and it was about the sixth hour. That's about noon Jewish time. Uh, The day begins at sixth. The third hour of the day is nine o'clock in the morning. Sixth hour of the day is noon. Ninth hour of the day is three o'clock in the afternoon. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, Jesus said to her, Give me to drink, for his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank there of himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water, and since this is written down, and there's no, this is not a screenplay that gives you all the actions of the actors. Uh, we, we read this and know what we would do if we were talking like this. He's pointing at the well. Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, this is King James, shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, In that saidest thou truly. About this time, most churches would be inviting her to leave. 
because she wouldn't be good enough for us. Five-time loser. Well, we don't want to bring the quality of our church down with a five-time loser. But not Jesus. For thou hast had five husbands, and him whom, whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. She was trying to pick a fight. She, In the beginning, she tried to pick a fight. What are you doing talking to me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. So she played the race card. He wasn't making an issue. She's saying, what are you, daft? Does the heat got to you? Don't you know Jews don't talk to Samaritans? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. You're breaking the rules. Not my rule. Your rule. You're a Jew. You got, you're the one with the rule. He wouldn't fight with her. And now she wants to fuss with him over the place to worship. Jesus saith unto her, verse 21, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh. When ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then finally, John 7 37, John 7, 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, or as the scripture has declared the method of believing, out of his belly, uh, that's King James. The Greek word is figuratively innermost being, literally cavity, an inner cavity. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. For the next little while I am not teaching, I am preaching probably ministering more than preaching on this subject, finding and living in your flow. You may be seated. There is an old song that's one of my favorites. And um, I just felt to sing it to you tonight. I don't know if in 44 years of preaching, I've done this more than even five times. She's the lead singer and I'm the backup guy. So, um, I, I love the message of this song and uh, you've probably heard it so you can listen to it with me. There was a thirsty woman who was drawn. 
was ruined and wasted her soul was bound for hell oh but then she met the master who told of her great sin and if you drink this water you'll never thirst again above there 
that's filled with His great love. Won't you come to this water? There is a vast first of July she only gets about six birthdays a year I was born on the 18th of February and I got 12 because every month has an 18th and only a few months have a 31st so I feel really bad for her I try to make it up for her but it's just whatever as most of you know I was born in February of 46 and the United Pentecostal Church was formed in September of 45. So I am just about six months younger than the United Pentecostal Church. My mother was attending one of the original United Pentecostal churches when I was born. I was born on a Monday, and on Sunday, I went to two services. I didn't know that. But I, I know I did. I've been in and around this all of my life. I first sought for the Holy Ghost when I was nine years old. I received the Holy Ghost. Or I first went to the altar with the idea of receiving the Holy Ghost when I was nine. 
I received the Holy Ghost the first night I sought for it, the Sunday after my 12th birthday. It uh, <clears throat> deeply, deeply, deeply challenges me. After all these years and having the privilege of preaching in almost every state in the United States and in many, many countries around the world and on every continent except one, and that's Australia, it deeply disturbs me to watch people who have received this beloved blessed gift let their practicing of this precious salvation degenerate to just being defined by trying to do what's right and not doing what's wrong every person in sitting in this room knows people that don't go to church at all who are very moral people. Everybody in this room knows people who don't even really believe in God, who are nice people. So if Christianity is really to be defined as not doing wrong and doing right and being a nice person, then everybody out there who does their best not to do wrong and to do right and is a nice person is a Christian. If that's really what Christianity is. But it is not Christianity. I, I'm, I'm really honestly, uh, if you did even a casual reading of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you would have to say, Jesus, you made Peter the guy with the keys to the kingdom? He wasn't even the best fella out of 12. He wasn't even the nicest guy out of the 12. He had problems. He was a hothead. He was always going off on some tangent of his own. He was a liar. When it came to crunch time, he denied he even knew Jesus. Three times. The first time may be a slip of the tongue. The second time, okay, you're feeling the pressure. The third time makes you a liar. Just flat out liar. Wasn't a nice fella. If that's your definition of Christianity, you and I don't have a whole lot in common.
Because that's not what this is about. And there are some precious, 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 precious people sitting here right now. Not count the ones that are watching this streamed video or may watch it after it's archived. Just sitting here right now. Not counting our brothers and sisters that are part of Antioch that are in Baltimore tonight. And others that are away on vacation, this being 4th of July weekend, etc., etc. Just sitting here. Some precious, precious people. That the... Let me just put it really clearly. That the reality has gone out of your Christianity. There's just not a whole lot of reality to it anymore. And if you stay around church long, you can learn how to do it. You can learn how to raise your hands. You can learn how to clap your hands. You can learn all of the lingo. God bless you, brother. Thank God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You can learn the lingo. You can learn how to talk the talk. This is not a negative message. You, you just hang on a minute. Because it deeply troubles me that so, so many, and if there was one, that's too many, that so many are cheating themselves out of what you were promised. Nobody's cheating you out of it but you. Nobody but you. You know, we live in an age where Everybody wants to blame somebody else. I spent a Sunday night during my 38th year when the, there was this second floor wasn't here and this building was the auditorium and the, uh, the platform was over on that side. Doors were over here, four were over there. I, I spent a Sunday night rather than in church in the pulpit, I was sitting in my office before church. And ended up with chest pains and spent all Sunday evening in the emergency room hooked up to IVs and EKGs. Got me a, I think that was my very first ambulance ride. I think. And, uh, <laughs> to try to relieve some of that stress I was under then, I started playing golf. It's taken since from 38 to 68 to learn how to play golf without stress because the only way to play golf without stress is you don't care about the score. And when you get this old, you don't worry about the score. But technology today has changed the golf world. And oh, all that latest equipment out there but there's one very important piece of equipment that's the most important piece of equipment that a golfer needs. And you can't buy it online, and there's not any store that sells it. And that most important piece of equipment for a golfer is a good excuse. 
Someone moved. Someone made a noise while I was trying to swing. Uh, my, my, my hips bothering me. My back's bothering me. I, you know, uh, my grip slipped. You gotta have a good excuse. You know what? I, okay, I, I can put up with that in golf, but good excuse doesn't work well in Christianity. Doesn't work well. We were promised some things. Every single spirit-filled person was promised something. I'm going to read to you John 4.14 in a couple of different translations. John 4.14 in the Amplified says, But whoever takes a drink of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. No, never. No, never be thirsty anymore. But the water that I will give him shall become a spring of water welling up, flowing, bubbling continually within him unto, into, for eternal life. And the first time I referenced this particular version, people laughed. But there is a version, and I really like it for the most of the time. It's the easy to read version. And this is how John 4.14 4, reads in that, that version. But if anyone who drinks the water I give, but anyone who, who drinks the water I give will never be thirsty again. The water I give people will be like a spring flowing inside them. It will bring them eternal life. The flowing spring will result in eternal life. The flowing spring will result in eternal life. And then Young's literal translation uh, is the only one that I've found that really attempts to translate, again, literally, uh, the Greek words that are there. Because there's a couple of Greek words in John 4.14 that most translators don't really address. But listen to Young's, and this is, this is very literal, so the readability of it is a little awkward. But whoever may drink of the water that I will give him may not thirst to the age. And the water that I will give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to life age during. Now, there's three words that Young's translates very literally that most, tran most versions do not translate. When Jesus said, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, he didn't say never thirst because the Bible says in, John, in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And continuing to thirst after God is a blessing. So when he said, whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst, by not translating these three words, they left that kind of hanging. And it doesn't truly communicate what Jesus was saying. And those three words mean for or towards this age 
And that Greek word there is eon, which is also translated not just age, but world. So receiving this living water and living, finding and living in that flow will not only produce eternal life, but the way that it produces eternal life is it quenches your thirst for this world. It quenches your thirst for this age, the things of this age, the spirit of this age, the things that are offered by this age. Now, when I was the preacher in this pulpit every service, sometimes it was really hard to see the forest for the trees. You get so used to what you're feeling that if you're not careful, it's hard to be sensitive to a change, to a shift, especially when it's subtle. But the advantage that I have now is because I'm not able to be in every service for traveling and, of course, during my wife's sickness, when I walk in the building and sit here, it's overload. I mean, I'm getting all this information overload, just overload. And, and, and when I do that, I then have a choice I've got to make. If I'm not feeling specific direction to deal with that overload of information I'm getting, then I kind of just say, here it is, Lord, here it is. I can't do anything about this. I don't have any part in this service here tonight. I'll just pray for this. Here it is because I can't respond to what I'm feeling. And uh, in case you think that's a problem, it's not a problem. That's the will of God. That's the way it's supposed to be. But the problem with, with, that you and I have, if, if, I, if it's a problem, is that when I do get a chance to preach or teach, I'm not standing up here shooting in the dark. Because I come and sit in service, and then, you know, you, you know, if you take a a uh, piece of tin foil, you can take a pencil and just lightly tap on that piece of tin foil without breaking it. And if you do it gentle enough and repeatedly enough, you can make it stretch where you've got a mark in it. Now you can't see anything but that mark on that entire piece of tinfoil. Well, that's what happens. It just taps, 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 taps. Oh, okay, that's how this one's doing. That's how this one's doing. You know, and the pastor is a shepherd. He has a shepherd's gifting. 
I, I, when I, when I said for years, uh, I didn't have a pastoral gifting, then people felt, oh, he doesn't love us because he's not a pastor. Then let me say it the way the scripture says it, the King James says it, in every place but one. Because the word pastor is only found in the New Testament in the King James one time. Every other place that word is translated shepherd. The pastor, the senior pastor, has a shepherding gifting. I don't. I, I You know, some would call it a drill sergeant uh, gifting, but that's not really what it is. Others have tried to put more scriptural names on it, and I'm rejecting those as far as the titles are concerned. I will do what the gifting is, but I'm not looking for a title for it. It deeply grieves the Lord. Not from an anger standpoint, but from a sadness standpoint to see us live so far below, beneath what we've been offered. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, it shall be in him a well of water. Springing up unto everlasting. Whoever drinks, 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 drinks. You know, when the Lord put himself in you, it wasn't that he took a bottle or a container of himself and emptied it in you. He didn't transfer... A contained, a contained amount of himself to be contained in you. I'm going to say that one more time. When, when the Lord Jesus Christ put his spirit in you, he didn't take a contained, finite amount of himself and pour that into you for you to contain. Where you come to church, to get the container topped off. So if you, if you're not, if, if your container is, is still pretty well topped, well, well, you can sit around, cruise through that service. It's not gonna take much to top your container off, but if it's been a rough week and you've used a whole lot of Holy Ghost that week, then you come in and you wanna get filled up to, to, you know, you may be down half a tank, three quarters of a tank, whatever. And consciously or subconsciously, there are so many of you precious people that that's what you see church services to, to be, whether you realize it or not. I've had a rough week. I've used up a lot of my Holy Ghost Maybe I used it all, and so now I am totally dependent upon what happens in that service, in the worship, and in the ministry of the Word to try to get my deficit made up so that I have enough to make it another week. I know this is simple. That's on purpose. 
And what if? What if it's one of those surfaces that is resisted? And what if in worship or in the ministry, we just haven't been able to get to the place to break through that resistance? What if that's the case? And what if you don't get your container topped off? And now you go into the next week with only half a tank, not a full tank. And God forbid that's a rough week. Because you're going to be empty before next Sunday and you may not make it back to church next Sunday. That's not how he designed it to be. That's not his plan. That's not his purpose. That's not how this works. That's not how it works. That's not how this is, was planned. In John 4, he said, when I receive the living water, I'm not just drinking of it. I'm opening my being for him to impart, implant a spring. That's constantly bubbling and flowing. And that spring never goes dry and it never runs out. And so it doesn't matter how good or bad this week is. Whatever I need's always there. It's not dependent on how, how church was this week or how, whether I was able to get back to church this week. It's, it's, it, it, that's what the way it was chosen to be. And then John, John 7 38 which we've used many times from a salvation standpoint. But listen to what he said. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly, his innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. Oh, yeah, okay, you know, he didn't say it, but we know he meant it. Out of his belly between 10 and 12 on Sunday morning and 6 and 8 on Sunday night and 7 and 9 on Monday night shall flow rivers of living water. The rest of the week, there's no flow. Isn't that what it really meant? No. No, no, I, I'm challenged. I'm not mad at you. I'm, and, and I'm not condemning you. I'm challenging you. you got to stop living ben, beneath your your privileges. You gotta stop cheating yourself. I've said it so many times. Oh, thank God. I'm not a teenager today. I'm a happily married man of 46 years. I walked in the restaurant today, and I said to the receptionist, I said, I'm looking for the table where that beautiful blonde's sitting. She said, right that way. That was it. And when I sat at the table, I figured out, I understood why. My wife said, look around you. 
I said, well, you know, the food here is not bad. It's not expensive, but it's, it's good food. I said, why, why don't we go come here very often? She says, well, look around you. I said, what? She said, almost everybody is here is old. Well, I said, we don't fit. She said, I know. That's why we don't come here very often. She was the only blonde in the house. Now, we don't know how long she's going to be blonde. As soon as the Lord gives her her hair back, she won't be blonde. We're pretty sure of that. But the point I'm making is, I'm so happy. I love my wife. I'm happily married. I am so happy I'm not a teenager and single today. Or in my 20s and single today. Because you don't, it's easy to shop. Because it's all on display. No question what you're getting. There's no secrets. Hello? And, and, and I, I've, I've talked to the Lord about this on occasion. How, how, how are our young people supposed to stay saved in the midst of such absolutely overwhelming temptation? He said, I'm paraphrasing now, the same flow, flow that worked for you and is working for you is the same flow that will work for them. Because it doesn't matter how much temptation is out there. If you're not thirsty. If the flow has quenched your thirst. Somebody said to me yesterday at Noah's party. Oh, I think it was you, Samantha. Uh, you know, I never have had that dessert you say everybody, everybody should have at least once before they die. So which one are you talking about? You know that one you talk about? Oh, the one at Chili's, the molten lava cake. Molten, the molten chocolate cake. Well, Chili's found out that it was too expensive to make it the way they used to. And now they cheat on all of the amount of the stuff they used to give you. I mean, it was a moist... Dark chocolate, kind of. It looked like it looks like a volcano, and then they would pour hot fudge down inside that, and then a big old glob of vanilla ice cream on top of that, and then they would pour that. You know that chocolate dipping sauce you can get at like Dairy Queen when you drop, drop dip the cone in and it comes out and the chocolate's hard on the outside. Well, they would pour that over that. And then they would pour fudge and hot car- hot fudge and hot caramel on the outside of that. And if you were on a diet, you wouldn't get the whipped cream and you sure wouldn't get the cherry. But if you weren't on a diet, then you, the whipped cream and cherry, you just go ahead. But if you're trying to save calories, skip the whipped cream, skip the cherries. And, 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 and that, you know, the way they used to make it was really honestly my favorite dessert in the whole world. But I can't tell you the number of times I've gone to Chili's and ate 
chips and salsa before the meal got there. And then by the time I finished the meal, I was too full to get a molten chocolate cake. And the reason I went there was to get a molten chocolate cake. That was the purpose. That was the reason. That was the only reason I wanted to go to that restaurant was to get to the end and eat molten chocolate cake. I had an out-of-town guest went with me one time, and he says, uh, I said, would you like some dessert? He said, well, what do they got? And I said, well, they got this, and they got some other stuff, but this is what I usually get. He said, well, I'll just share yours. I said, no. I'll buy you one happily, but I'm not sharing mine. He said, but I'm not going to eat all of mine. I don't care whether you eat all yours or not. Not sharing mine. I, I, I went for the purpose of getting molten chocolate. Do you know how irritating it is? How frustrating it is to get to the time that it's, it's time to order your dessert and you're too full. My favorite dessert it was. It's kind of skimped. They skimped on it now and everybody's trying to duplicate that. Everybody's got some kind of molten chocolate cake dessert kind of thing now just about the point I'm making is no matter how good something may taste if by the time you're going to be tempted and have to make a decision whether you're going to do that if you're not thirsty anymore it's not hard to say no somebody needs to listen because you're wondering why it's so hard for you to live for God. You're not, you don't have a flow. You don't have a flow of living water. You're not letting the flow quench your thirst for this world. And so, because you're thirsty in your soul all the time, and because God's gift is not quenching your thirst, then everything out there looks good, and you're tempted with it, and some of you give it in to some of those temptations. That is not the problem. It's the symptom of the problem. It's the proof that you're not participating in and enjoying the benefits of what God has given you. Because whoever drinks of this water shall never thirst for this world. Never thirst for this world. Do you know how hard it is to sin when you're experiencing the flow all the time? Hard sin. It's hard to sin. I'm weird. I, I know I'm weird. But when I was a kid, you know, everybody hated spinach. I remember thinking as a kid, well, if everybody hates spinach, and I don't want to be like everybody else. I'm going to decide I like spinach before I even, ever even ate any. And from that decision, I love spinach. Because I don't want to be like everybody else. 
It has nothing to do with Popeye the sailor being a sailor. It has everything to do what, with everybody. Nobody likes spinach. And I decided I wasn't going to be like everybody who didn't like spinach. I, I acknowledge to you, I, I really honestly do, that I am really, really, really different than most people. Because most people want to fit in so that they're inconspicuous and they're never open to any kind of ridicule or rejection. And to me, my problem is, I have to be careful. I'm not just being different for the sake of being different because I don't want to be like everybody else. I remember when I first started wearing civilian clothes again after I got out of the Naval Academy, the only kind of ties you could buy were narrow ties. Well, you know, I was a kid. I didn't pay any attention to clothes and what they cost and all that. My parents bought me clothes and I wore whatever, whatever, you know. But now I'm buying the clothes. And all you could buy was a narrow tie. Well, a few years after I started buying ties... We moved to Annapolis, and all of a sudden, you go to stores, and they had a few narrow ties, but they had wider ties. And then one time, they got it wide, the ties so wide, they looked like bibs. And you, if you wanted to look like everybody else, you had forget all those good ties you had in your closet. They're either too wide or too narrow now, so you've got to go buy something else so you can look like everybody else. Well, it got to the point, as I got older and needed some additional suits, and the only ties then you could buy were the wider ties. I bought the wider ties. Well, wouldn't you know it was only a couple of years, ties started getting narrow again. And I'd given away my narrow ties. And I said, forget this. It's ridiculous. I got a question. Has anybody ever seen a little baby girl that was ugly? Nah. Little baby girls are beautiful. Anybody ever seen a little toddler girl that was ugly? Nah. Little toddler girls are beautiful. Anybody ever seen an adolescent girl that was ugly? No. Adolescent girls are beautiful. But somewhere around 16, 17, 18, they all turned ugly. Because they gotta hide behind the masks this world says that all the ugly girls of this world are supposed to hide behind. Because the cosmetic industry needs to continue to soak you for eight to ten billion dollars a year. And the only way they can do that is convince you that you're ugly. And so what does everybody do? They rush out by their mask. Because I'm now ugly. I was a beautiful baby. I was a beautiful child. I was a beautiful adolescent. I might even have been a beautiful young teenager. But all of a sudden I woke up one day and I wasn't beautiful anymore. Because the world says I'm plain. 
And therefore I'm ugly. And therefore I've got to go hide behind a mask so the world can't see how ugly I am. <laughs> Just a little side note here. The Greek word for world is cosmos. That is the root word for cosmetics. I didn't plan on talking about this. I don't even know anybody in the building needs to hear this. Because I don't go looking for it. And I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I'm asking you why. Are you that ugly? According to the world, you are. According to Jesus, you're not. Jesus says you're not ugly. You're not ugly. You don't need to hide. You don't need to be embarrassed or humiliated going out in the world without a mask on. Let me tell you something, ladies. If you don't have something quenching the flow, the the thirst inside for this world, if you don't have a flow that's quenching the thirst for this world inside, you're going to be thirsty. And all of a sudden coming to church isn't going to quench that flow, that thirst. And you're going to want to be like the world, do like the world, and whatever to quench your thirst. It is not possible to have a problem with internet pornography and be living in, a, in your flow. It's not possible. It's not possible. Any moment in time that you're struggling with looking at stuff on the internet you shouldn't be looking at, this is what I want the Holy Ghost to say to you and believe it's been trying to say, but I'm pointing it out right now. From this day forward, when you click the wrong thing, that's a proof to you that you are not living in the flow. And you know what? You can repent, the Lord will forgive you. That's not a problem. He can, he'll forgive, he forgives. It's, he forgives. But if you don't change the situation, you're going to be repenting several times a day, every day. Because the problem isn't the things of this world. It's the fact you're not, you haven't found and you're not living in the flow that quenches your thirst for this world. That's what happens. You live in the flow. And I don't mean during church all the time. Well, I can't pray all the time. Well, it depends on what you mean by prayer. Do I pray audibly? All the time? Of course I don't. But let me tell you something. 
when I'm, when I'm living in the flow, you, you reach the point where you can sense that deep down inside, there's this connection that's always there. It's there. It's always there. And it's so satisfying. It's satisfying. And that's why it's not a conscious thing. But throughout the day, that flow will just erupt. It's just got to come out. It may be two or three seconds. It may be a couple of minutes. But that flow, it's just going so good. It's just got to come out. It's just got to come out. I can do that all by myself and nobody will know I'm doing it. I can walk through the mall and nobody will know I'm doing it. I've sat on airplanes and nobody knows I'm doing it. Because the flow... The flow just sometimes has to be expressed. But just because I'm not expressing it this moment doesn't mean it's not there. He's given you this. It's the most awesome thing in the whole world. There's nothing in the world that can compete with that. Nothing. So... (laughs) So you, you go and you want to pop the top on a can and get some gusto to your life. You know how people drink? You know what alcohol is considered? Spirits. That's what they're called. Spirits. And I realize beer is probably not referred to as spirits because that's usually... Some other type of alcohol, and I'm no expert in all of that, and I don't know, and I guess some people wouldn't call wine spirits. But if there's alcoholic content, it's the alcohol that is spirits. And what's the purpose of drinking alcohol? To deaden something in here. It is a way to find some comfort. Some relief. It's a way to try to have a good feeling. I'm not here to discuss alcohol with you. That's not the point. The point I'm saying is, what do I need spirits for when I have the spirit living in me, flowing in me? There's nothing that alcohol can do for me. Uh, What's wrong with a glass of wine over dinner? What a ridiculous question. If I have a living flow inside of me, I don't need wine over dinner. Now, I'm not a water drinker. My wife is a coffee drinker. And that's what she does occasionally in the morning. She likes coffee. Oh, what a trial we had during chemo because coffee didn't taste good. Oh, my. I felt so bad for her. I'm, seriously, she, she enjoys it. I felt bad for her. I knew something was going on when coffee didn't taste good at all. Well, let's flip the other way. And don't preach to me. I'm not interested. I don't really care for water. 
I drink it. But the latest test I've read says the issue is not water versus all other liquids, but just plenty of liquids. Now, I know some of you professionals are going to come fuss with me. Well, there are articles by professionals that say the big deal is liquids. And while I didn't live down south very long, my mom and dad were raised in the south. And so, therefore, I grew up drinking iced tea. And she makes tea better than she makes coffee. And usually in the refrigerator, there's two gallons of iced tea. Two gallon jugs. And as one gets down, when I start on the other one, she replenishes the first one. You say, well, what about all that caffeine? Well, when I don't drink tea, I don't get a headache. In fact, I've never gotten a caffeine headache from anything. Sorry to blow all your theories to kingdom come. I like tea. I prefer tea. I prefer tea over sodas. I can drink water when I'm really trying to punish my flesh. Seriously, I consider that... An important part of fasting. That's just as much of a challenge to me as it is not eating food. I'm going to fast, so I'm not going to eat food and I'm only going to drink water. (laughs) I can almost fast, eat anything I want, just, just drink water. Boy, that would be a fast. Now, you may not feel that way. So be it your business. That's the way I feel about it. I don't care for water. Well, that's not true. I don't care for... This kind of water. I don't need my living water flavored with anything for me to like it. Here's the problem, okay? Okay. (laughs) Oh. It's not anywhere near midnight. Here's the problem. For those of us that do pray, most of us, it's we get up in the morning, oh, hallelujah, 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 thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Talking tongues a little bit, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, I praise you a little bit. Now, here's my list for the day. This is what I need you to do today. And not all of this has to be done today, but I want you to be working on it. I wish I wasn't, I wish I was kidding. But for most of us and most Christians who pray, that's the basis of their prayer. A little bit of prayer. Oh, forgive me. I I skipped the most important part. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Forgive me all of my sins so that I know I'm saved. Now, here's my list. Most people's prayer is three parts. A little bit of praise, a little or a lot of repentance, depending on how much we think we need to make sure we're saved today. And then, 
And then our list of all the things we want him to fix and things we want him to do and things we want him to give us. And we prioritize it. I need this today. You can wait on this next week for this and then the week after that for that. But here's my list and I want you to do all this stuff now, Lord. Okay, that's it. See you tomorrow. I wish I, I, I would by everything in me that that little whatever was false, was not true, but it is true. And you know something? I don't have a problem with the praise. We need to praise. And I certainly don't have a problem with the repentance. We need to repent. And, and, and he said, ask and you shall receive, seeking you find. I know he said all that. But at some point before you're done, if you haven't already done it, you need to enter into his presence and find and connect with your flow in the spirit for that day. And then live the rest of the day in the flow. And if you do that, you will be tempted by very, very, very few things. I felt bad the other day. I was, I was being chauffeur for my wife, which is one of my new favorite things to do. And uh, <clears throat> it was Friday afternoon, traffic was Thursday afternoon, excuse me, traffic was bad in Annapolis. We were trying to get home. And so we were coming from uh, parole, and we I got on. Oh, let's see. I came in Forest Drive, got off on Spa Road, came over on Taylor Avenue. And I was coming up on Taylor Avenue to get up on what's that road that goes over the the, the Academy Bridge. What is that road right there? No, no, no. That's, yeah, it's, well, 450, but it's a street name right there. And so you came, you come up, and the, 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 the traffic going straight through the light there at the corner of the Naval Academy near Gate 8 that goes right across the bridge. Huh? I don't know. Anyway, no gate, Gate 8. Gate eight's the one all the way out near the bridge. So I came, I, I came up, and of course the right lane was empty, but the left lane was full. And I, I waited to try to pull in, and a gentleman uh, blew his horn at me. I, I mean, I had no place. It wasn't like I didn't go to the end of the line. I made a legal turn onto a street but i needed to merge to go over the bridge but he wasn't going to let me in so i just came up to the light went right went down did a u-turn came back and the light was green for him but it stopped and it stopped him at the light well i guess the flow wasn't working 
Because as I was turning through the intersection with him sitting there, I rolled my window down and waved at him. And felt bad. I felt bad. I didn't feel good. I felt bad. And because my truck's got that tattoo on the back, that's what one of our pastor's wife calls that USNA on the back of my vehicle, my auto tattoo. There's not very many of those around, so he may know who I am someday. I don't know. And I'll get to repent in person. But, but, but I was, I had my window down and waved at him because I had to watch where I was going. I didn't even look at him. I just waved at him as I came right around. So, <laughs> I wasn't in the flow that moment. <laughs> I wasn't in the flow that moment. So the point I'm making to you is if you find your flow and live in it, that doesn't mean you're going to do it perfectly every day. But, oh, do you, do you have any idea how much easier your life would be? How much more wonderful your life would be every day if you would find the flow every day and live with the flow. Just the flow of living water through you. Every, do you have any idea how wonderful your life would be? You know the, the old saying, if you got the joy of the Lord in your heart, send your face the message. Well, you know what? Listen to me carefully, please, here. If I've got the flow, it produces a glow on my face. And I don't have to go flaunting who and what I am. Everybody can see the difference. They may not understand the difference. They may not know what the difference is, but they can see the difference. If you really want to be different than the crowd, just walk through your day smiling. Really, seriously. You can stand out in the crowd just by smiling. Because if you haven't paid attention, just watch and see how many people you, you walk by that even have a pleasantly passive look on their face. And oh Lord, the number of people that you have to deal with in the day, day to day life. That if you make eye contact, the pain you see in their eyes. The emptiness you see in their eyes. Well, if they're looking in your eyes and there's this sparkle and there's this glow from the flow of living water in your life keeping you happy. Happy people can enjoy fun Good fun, guilt-free. But unhappy people 
always, almost always participate in fun that leaves them guilty. Hey, the Creator gave me taste buds. Those of you that are on Weight Watchers, I think I said this the other day, but I'll tell it again. Do you know how long you can stretch a one-point dove chocolate piece if you just let it sit on your, don't chew it, just let it sit on your tongue and just let it dissolve? You can get, you, do you know how much chocolate enjoyment you can get out of a one-point piece of dove chocolate? Just by not chewing it, just letting it dissolve? Really? Really? My father gave me taste buds to enjoy dove chocolate. Well, I know about every day, but that that would be ideal, but I can't do that every day. He, He gave... He gave me the ability to see. And oh, the joy and the pleasure of watching a sunrise or a sunset. Ah, my, my wife and I's favorite thing to do on vacation is to go someplace and just sightsee God's handiwork. We're not, we, we don't really get a whole lot of pleasure out of watching what man has done. But to go someplace to see God's handiwork and His vistas, that is absolutely. And He gave me eyes that enables me to see His artistry. He gave me ears to hear the beauty of music. Oh, man, I love music. The beauty of music. The beauty of music. He, it's, there's a pleasure in listening to good music. I was sitting there tonight, and my wife was on this piano. And in case you don't know it, that's kind of a, her style is kind of a southern gospel. That's how she was taught, so it's kind of what she does. Kind of a southern gospel style. And this is not a negative statement, but she doesn't practice the keyboard every day. She doesn't play it really that often at all. And she walks in here. (laughs) I don't know how she does that. I play the trumpet. Used to. Every time I pick it up thinking I'm going to start playing it again, it's so painful. I don't know how she walks in here. And plays that and almost never misses a note. I don't know how she does that. It's beautiful. It's amazing. I was given ears to enjoy that. But the Bible says, the eye is never satisfied with seeing. And the ear is never satisfied with hearing. And if you're trying to get the thirst of your soul quenched from outside sources that you're taking in, you are an empty person because it doesn't work. 
it doesn't work. You can't quench this thirst by what you're taking from the outside in. You can't do it. It doesn't work. You may get a moment's relief, but it comes back. And some of you read some of my tweets the last few days. It's been strong. Like the one, I don't sleep with your conscience, I sleep with mine. I don't sleep with your conscience, I sleep with mine. So what you can do or not do and try to sleep with, that's your business. But I know what my conscience won't let me sleep if I'm involved in. My conscience won't let me sleep if I do some stuff that some of you act like you can do and sleep. Well, what's the problem? Because some of us are so involved in trying to mix God and what he, what, what little bit we let him give us from him with the world and what it has to offer. It doesn't work. The idea is this. If, if I let the living water flow, and my thirst is quenched, then the things that I do enjoy from the world that God has created, I can enjoy them as a complement to the flow without a guilty conscience. Hey, I don't have, well, I started to say I don't have gourmet taste buds. I do have gourmet taste buds. Gourmet is this round, but that high. Got this flame broiled piece of meat in there with some mustard, ketchup, and lettuce, and tomatoes, and pickles. Cheese. Gourmet. That's as gourmet as I get, honestly. I've had some precious people over the years either take me to fancy restaurants or fix me fancy food. And I eat it and do my best to enjoy it because of their kindness. But my taste buds don't care for that all that much. I mean, I never ate any kind of Mexican or Spanish food till I married her. I never ate Chinese food till I married her. Ever. I, I didn't even eat pizza too much till I married her. She's adventurous with her taste buds. I just try to keep up. So the point here is this. When you are drinking from the world's supply to try to satisfy your emptiness inside, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. You know, I, 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 my dad was in the Navy and 
we lived all over the place. And when I was growing up, Mickey Mantle was the big ball player, so I became a, a Yankees fan because Mickey Mantle played for the Yankees. And so I came here, and I, I, I was a Yankees fan. Didn't even think anything about it until I got here, and then all these Oriole fans and whatever. And I remember the last year I was a Yankees fan. It was 1978. I absolutely decided I wasn't going to root against the people I was trying to pastor. So I chose to be a, an Orioles fan and a, a Yankee hater. And the Orioles have had some lean years. And I don't know how today's results are, but they were in first place last night. Well, you know something? My life is not worse when they're in last place and not better when they're in first place. I'm interested in it. I follow it. But it doesn't quench my thirst. I don't need it to quench my thirst. I don't follow it because I have nothing else to define my life by. So everything I'm involved in is that. I don't do that. No offense, I don't care what team LeBron ends up with. You know, I, 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 it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Do I know who won the NBA championship? Yes, I do. I do. Does it matter to me one way or the other? No. No. I know who won the College World Series in baseball, NCAA. I know who won it. I knew who they were playing against. Does it matter to me? No, I just know. I, I, it's information I know. But it's not information that's a part of quenching my inner thirst. Being a Christian doesn't mean you're, you, you, you turn the world off where you have no idea of what's going on in the world. It's just that when you find your flow and live in your flow, it's so much better. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I, I, I would to God that I had the ability to truly communicate to you how absolutely practical and true and real this is. Where you don't have to continue to try all this other stuff to find out what's right. For your benefit, I would that I had the gifting or the ability to be able to convince you of the truthfulness of this so you could go right from where you are now to enjoying the flow every day. And you don't have to make that journey. But I've been doing this long enough to know for most of us it's not that simple.
But the other problem is this. Sister Wright, if you'll slowly make your way to the keyboard. The problem is, to have the flow, I've got to give up my will. And to some of us, being able to have our own will, do our own will, choose our own, make our own choices, no matter how bad they are, how terrible they turn out, is worth more to us than having our thirst quenched every day. Paul said it this way, and I forget which book it was in he said some suppose that gain is godliness and that's the the culture of tv christianity today it's gain is godliness you give you get money back you're blessed you're godly but paul said godliness with contentment is great gain. That word contentment is an amazing word. The word Paul said, whatever state, condition, situation that I find myself in, he said, I've learned, I've learned that whatever state Condition, situation, I find myself in. To therewith or therein be content. Very, very basically the word content means the absence of need. In other words, God put me here. He knew what the situation is like. He knew all of this ahead of time. If he put me in this, this is where he wants me to be until he changes it. And I'm supposed to learn to be content. Which means I'm not dissatisfied. I'm not unhappy. I realize that if I have Jesus, his spirit lives in me and flows in me and through me. Giving me a satisfaction when it says whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst for this world means it causes me to be satisfied where I don't have wants that tempts me or causes me to look to some other source for their satisfaction. That's the Lord's plan. That's how he, he did this. But you know what? The people out there that are not Christians and those of you that are on your way back out the door unless something changes, the problem is you're not content. 
well, I don't like this and I don't like that. Oh, so your heavenly father didn't know it was going to be like that. If he's got you in a situation that is not comfortable or is not ideal or perfect in your mind, it's for a purpose. And if he puts you there, he's trusted you with it. And you're supposed to have an attitude, right attitude toward him and everything, everybody else involved in it. Because that's his will. And if you don't want in that, then you can get out of it. But you get out of his will to get out of that situation. In August of 2003, after I had grieved six months over the loss of this building, deeply grieved, deeply grieved, and the Lord began to teach me about how to deal with loss, the grief over what I had lost and the fear over over what I could lose. When I gave him not only the grief over what I had lost and then realized that I could be free if I would give him the fear over what I could lose. I, I, I knew that it would give me peace. But I didn't know that a, a significant portion of that peace would be contentment. I love my family. They love me. As much as I've had the ability to over the years, I've tried to bless my children. Whatever. But <laughs> they, we, we've reached the place, especially the last 10 years, where it's my birthday, it's Father's Day, it's Christmas. They have a really hard time. It's one of the greatest testimonies that they could give me. It's one of the greatest testimonies that my family could give to me. We don't know what to buy for dad. Does that mean I've got everything? Oh, no, 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 no. I've got everything I want. Why? Because I'm content. There's all kind of stuff out there I don't have. But I don't need it because I don't want it. Because whatever you want becomes a need. And I'm content. Do you know how freeing that is? Do you know how free that makes you? Do you understand how free that makes you? Do you know how much that ratchets your quality of life up? Whatever state you find yourself in, you, you may be living in a rat hole. But if you can find your flow and live in that flow and let the flow of God's Spirit in your life quench your thirst, you can find positive and peace and contentment in a rat hole. So that's terrible. Why wouldn't my father want me to, want to move me out of that? Who says he doesn't? But maybe the problem is he's trying to teach you to want him more than you want anything else. And then once you want him more than anything else, 
He can trust you enough to give you other stuff. But as long as what other stuff you want is competing with your desire for Him, He can't give you that stuff you want. He can't give it to you. Because it's competing with Him in your heart and life. Whatever is in my life and heart that is competing with God for my source of quenching my thirst, my want, whatever, that thing is interfering with my relationship with God. Whatever it is. In and of itself, it may not be sin. It's not sin to eat. It's sin to eat if that's your source of comfort. You know, the Lord gave me this message and I'm thinking, wow, that's positive. That's, that people would be really excited to hear that. <clears throat> well, Apparently not. But whether you're excited to hear it or not, it's true. <laughs> I, I just can't understand sitting in front of a TV and watching 99.9% of stuff that's on the TV. I just can't understand it. What absolute waste of life it is. And to every one of you sitting here that's addicted to some reality show, if they've got cameras, it's not real. H Hello? Hello? I, I, I consider you intelligent people, so I'm making this statement. If there are cameras there to record everything that's going on, it's not real. There's no such thing as a reality show. The cameras alone prove it's not real. And the, the popular thing today among some elements of young people called sexting where you take pictures of yourself in various degrees of nudity and you send that picture confidentially to a friend <laughs> That is such a joke. When you text, tweet, email, post, you've just sent that out into the nether regions of the universe. There's nothing confidential on the internet. What's, what's up with that? What would cause person, any person, young or old, to take off their clothes and take pictures of themselves.
and send that to another person. We're not talking, I'm not, I'm not even discussing morality here. But what is it going on inside of a person that they would find some benefit or pleasure in that? What would, what is, what's up with that? What is up with that? What's up with that? You, you wonder, is, is something loose in the brain? Is something seriously off balance and skewed in a person's heart and spirit that they could do that? You can't get away from the book, my friend, that says the public display of nudity is shameful. Somebody, oh Lord, I can't believe I'm doing this. Somebody sent me a, an, e- an email with a, a link on it that uh, had a lady giving a presentation on the history of the bikini. Their mercy. Not hard to see the adversary's signature on that document. What what causes people to live like that? What causes people to act like that? What is it going on in a person's life that just because there's sand to walk in? It's okay to strip all your clothes off and go around covered, less covered than you would in your normal underwear. What is it that causes a person to do that? What? And you know something? It's okay. It's not okay, but it's, it's un, I can understand the world when they know nothing about that. But someone who has received a spring of living water that gives you the opportunity to have a flow of living water in your life every day that quenches the flow, the thirst for this world, and that brings you to eternal life. I know I've gone a little long, and I'm I'm afraid to look at the clock because I don't want to feel bad. But I know God spoke this message to me. And whatever time it is, whether you come down front or you kneel at your seat or you sit there and pray, if you got to go, you're welcome to go. But if there's any of this that's talked to you, is, is there any way you and Jesus can pray about this right now? You and Jesus can have some communication about this. It doesn't have to be like this. Being a child of God doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be hard. Being a child of God doesn't have to be the least exciting thing you do every day or every week. It doesn't have to be. Being a child of God with a flow of life-giving water in you is capable of making your worst days good. 
and your good days great. Just letting that flow be there. Just participating in that flow. That flow. Just that flow. Just the flow. Just fellowshipping with Him. I think it was sung this morning. Just to walk with Him means everything to me. Come on. Let's pray. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. You can flow in any job situation. You can flow in any transportation situation. You can flow anytime, any place. Because He's given you a spring of living water that lives inside of you that wants to flow to quench your thirst for this world all the time so that you never thirst again for this world. That's what he said. Never, never thirst again for this world. That's the promise. That's what he's made for you. Not so that your life is some big drudgery because you're a Christian, but because that's the very best possible way to live. It's the most fulfilling. It's the most joyous. It's the most most peaceful. It's the most satisfying way to live. Even if there's problems at home. Even if there's problems on the job. Even if you got a bad report from the doctor. It doesn't matter. Even if there's no money in the bank and all the bills are becoming due. If you've got the flow and you live in the flow, you're okay. Everything's going to be all right. The assurance of God will be there. The peace of God will be there because you have the flow of the living water of God in your life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. If you don't have to go right this moment, we need to pray. We need to pray. The Lord's trying to help us. The Lord's trying to help us. If you keep all the rules and regulations of the church, if you dot all the I's and cross all the T's, if you never miss a church service and you always do what's right and you never do what's wrong, your life will still be empty. You have no flow. Temptation is always a product of an unsatisfied soul. It's always a product of a soul that's thirsting for this world because the living water of God has it quenched you're thirsting for it already oh oh, my brothers and sisters do you understand how wonderful it would be to live for God if you could just learn how to find and live in the flow of his spirit 
understand how big and bad the problems seem right now all of that would change if you could just find and live in the flow of the presence of God every day you understand how awesome that would be awesome he promised life and that more abundantly what is an abundant life it's the life that's learned how to find and live in the flow. Much, but what I That's an abundant life. It's an abundant I life. If I have to walk everywhere I go, if I don't have any choice but ride public transportation, or if I have the most expensive car but in the world, none of it I makes any difference if I've got the flow. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things are additions. They're just additions. They're not needed. They're not necessary. They're just additions. If he gives them, thank God. If he doesn't give them, thank God. Because they're just additions. They're not needed for life to be full and overflowing, abundant. They're not needed. They're not needed. This isn't just for a few people. This isn't just for half of us. This isn't just for 90% of us. This is for everybody. He is no respecter of persons. He's promised you all of this. You can have all of this. Do you know how powerful this church would be is if the members, the people of this church learned to find and live in their flow every day and they came to church walking in the building, flowing in the presence of God. Do you understand how powerful that would be? Do you understand how effective the ministry of this church would be wherever it meets? If the people would learn how to find and live in the flow of the thirst-quenching Spirit of God. Living water. Living water. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. But God gave me this message. The Holy Ghost gave me this message. If you're single, you need the flow more than you need a husband or wife. They need to be the addition, not your attempt to find happiness. If you're in a marriage that's difficult... Not going the way it ought to go. You don't need a better wife or a husband or a different wife or a husband. You don't ever need everything to change at home. You need to personally get in the flow. And take the pressure off your mate. Where they don't have to try to be your God and produce your happiness. Things will change in your house. Do you know how difficult it is when you focus on the unchangeable 
rather than to focus on what can be changed. You know how discouraging it is to focus on that which can't be changed? You can't change your wife. You can't change your husband. You can't change your kids. You can't change your parents. You can't change your boss. You can't change you or your situation. The only thing you have the ability to change is you. How you see your situation. How you feel about your situation. How your situation affects you. You can change that by letting the Lord help you to find and live in your in the flow of His thirst quenching Spirit. I'm going to get home and feel bad about how long I ministered tonight, and I'm gonna feel bad then, but I'm not feeling bad now. Why? Because I'm in a flow. You can't see it, but I can feel it. The Lord's talking to some folks. There's some people wondering what's wrong. No, brother, this can't be my answer. That's too simple. (laughs) It may sound simple, but to then try to get out of the way or let the Lord help you to get out of the way called dying out to yourself so that you can find and live in that flow, that's not simple. You can only be done by the grace of God. It can only be done by the grace of God. It can only be done by the grace of God. You can't die out to yourself. You, you can, it can only be done by the grace of God. It can only be done by the grace of God. It's not simple. Concept is simple. The application is not. Not on God's part, on our part. Because we want to do it ourselves. We want to be in control. We want to make it happen our way. But you're going to have to decide whether you're going to live content satisfied so that you're not vulnerable to the stuff of this world or if you're going to be constantly tempted by the world because the living water is not quenching your thirst Jesus name could we just raise our hands just not loud but just thank him right now thank you for speaking to me Jesus Thank you for speaking to me, Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak the grace and peace from the Father upon every one of you individually and upon all of us collectively. In the name of Jesus, receive grace and peace from the Father. You can't do this yourself, but He'll help you if you'll let Him. In Jesus' name, receive grace and peace from the Father. In Jesus' name, receive grace and peace from the Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. New Testament Christianity is not practiced a couple of times a week. And then the rest of the time each week you're just trying to be a good person. No, no, no. New Testament Christianity is learning how to find and live in the flow of the living water of God's Spirit seven days a week 24 hours a day that's New Testament Christianity
I commit this word to the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray a hedge of protection from the Spirit of God and the angels of the Lord around your heart that the fowls of the air, the demons of this world would not be able to come and steal this seed out of your heart before it germinates and produces fruit in your life and through your life to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, it is so. In Jesus' name, let it be so. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Stay as long as you choose. Leave when you're ready. Jesus' name.